When I was uh, a young boy, I used to like to play with firecrackers. <clears throat> and uh, I also liked model cars. I used to put model cars together. My mother would often get me a, I think when I went to the dentist, that was like, like a reward. On the way back, I would get a, a new model car. And then, some, of course, sometimes she would get me one and bring me home a, a model car. And I enjoyed putting those together. I didn't like the ones so much. Sometimes she would get me an ugly one. You know, I didn't, I didn't like it, the, the model car. But, but anyway, the connection here between the firecrackers was that sometimes I would take one of those ugly model cars and put a firecracker in it. <laughs> and, you know, just bam, watch it explode. And I got a thrill out of that. And, then one time, Angela, we had a, a horse farm set. It had a little barn with, with, you know, four walls and a door. We both got one of those, and I thought, I'm going to stick a firecracker in it. And, and I, I didn't think it would do anything. But it, you know, it blew the top, the door, the everything, which is flat when it, when it got through with it. Somewhat, you know, destructive back then. But, but then... Um, I started hanging out with Otto. Now, Otto, his father was uh, Elmer Fudd, was his name, I believe. <laughs> Elmer Williams, but we called him Elmer Fudd. And, and his CB handle, he was a truck driver, his CB handle was Big Mac. He was Big Mac, and Otto was Little Mac. Now, there was nothing little about Little Mac. I mean, he was, he was a big guy, but he would drive out west, and Otto's uh, father, Big Mac, and he would bring back M80s. Now, these things should have been outlawed back then. Eventually, eventually they were outlawed, and we would throw those things and blow up stuff. And, and again, I know we shouldn't have done this. This was wrong. Definitely not encouraging this. But there was a guy that lived across the road from Otto's father, an older, older person, and we would throw M80s in his yard at night. And... Uh, Again, but I, I know we shouldn't have done that, but, but in a way I think he liked it because it sort of added meaning to his life or something. <laughs> but, these, but these things, when, that when it would blow up, there was a flash of light, just temporarily, just like that. And uh, one time me and Barry, we were sneaking out through the yard and he lit his M80 and threw it. And that temporary light just flashed and he saw a shadow behind a tree right where he was standing. It was Doug. I mean, just a, a temporary flash of a shadow. And Barry screamed, Doug! And we all just took off running. And I don't think we ever did that again. But he was right there beside the tree get, getting ready to grab us. You know. But uh, again, you know, the, the, you do things as a child and uh, when you're young, you know, like you know, the worst of sinners or whatever. You know, we, we blew up mailboxes and... You could take a square mailbox and make it round, you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, once we started playing around with those M80s, you know, the firecracker, you never wanted to go back to that because it was just, it was the greater impact. The M80s had the greater impact. And, um, and, and it's something about the greater impact. You know, it's, it's sort of... You know, I don't want something that's just good. I want something that's great. I don't want something just that's, that sounds good. I want something loud. I want something, uh, I don't want it to have something that just has a one-day effect. I want it to have a 30-day effect. I want it to have a lifetime effect. I want the greater impact, the greater impact. Now, with every decision in your life, 
every avenue, every turn you make, there is a conscious decision in your life to make the greater impact. In other words, do I want this to be a firecracker explosion or do I want it to be a, you know, like a stick of dynamite? Uh, again, with, with, as you go through your life, every avenue, every turn, there's a decision, you know, I can make this a greater impact. Not just get by, but a greater impact. The greater impact is a way of thinking every day. And often it's in the little areas that we need to work on when it comes to making a greater impact. For example, let's say you need to go to the store to buy a gallon of milk. You know, you really should, when you go to the store, you should think, okay, what else do I need? Do I need any bread? Do I need any eggs? Do I need any orange juice? You know, what else? In other words, that's the greater impact thinking. You know, I'm not just going to go to the store and get a gallon of milk. I'm going to think, what else do I need? That's a greater impact way of thinking. We were working on a job just recently, a chimney on a roof, and uh, putting rock on a chimney. And Nathan noticed a slit in the, in the shingles, big enough to put your finger through. It was getting water down in there, and he, he said, we need to fix this. And so I got to looking around for some shingles, and I, couldn't, I thought, well, maybe we can take one off the edge of the house here and put it up there. But I thought, well, where would I find a shingle? And I thought, well... A utility building. And sure enough, there were some three or four shingles in, in the utility building. And so, but it, you know, that mindset is what I call the greater impact. You know, we don't do roof roofing. We don't care about roofs or anything like that. Our job is to do the stonework on the chimney. But we went ahead and got that fixed for them. Greater impact. Now, you will never make a greater impact until you deal with the little areas first. Uh, the greater impact sets the st- this, the little areas set the stage for impact thinking, uh, impact living, making a difference in people's lives. Now, you got to be aware of something though. The greater impact, you know, for Jesus, the greater impact was a self was the selfless act of giving his life for our sins. That was the greater impact. Now he could have called ten thousand angels. You know, that seems like a, a great impact. He could have called 10,000 angels and killed all those people and really made a stand. But no, the greater impact was a selfless act of, of, of giving his life. So sometimes you've got to think about what is the greater impact? What is the greater impact? And sometimes it can be a little bit hard to make that decision. You know, is it really this thing I'm desiring or, or if I do something different, is it, is, is it a greater impact? You know, a lot of people think that Jesus was just a humanitarian, that he went around and everybody he saw in need, he just couldn't help himself. He just, here, let me help you with that, let me help you with that, let me do this, let me do that for you. Let me cut this heat down while I'm at it. Uh, you know, it's a good thing the control's up here where I'm speaking, I can control that. But anyway, that Christ was just another humanitarian like, like Mother Teresa. Well, I, I don't agree with that. You know, there was a, an occasion where Jesus was walking down the road and a woman cried out and said, heal my daughter. And he would have kept right on walking, walking, except for the fact that she responded in faith to him. But, you know, he was just walking along and said, look, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And he kept right on walking. But it, it was her response that made him stop. But... You know, the greater impact for Jesus was, you know, is in a message called repentance. Instead of trying to help every needy person out there, you know, he could have spent his whole life doing that. But the message was, 
if you surrender, if you repent, your life will turn itself around. Your life will take care of itself if you repent, if you surrender to God. So the greater impact was in a message that if you do this, you can turn your life around. Otherwise, it's sort of like this, you know, it's better to teach a man to fish than to just fish for him or give him the fish or whatever, you know. Now, are you getting God's attention? Uh, there is a way to get God's attention. And it has to do with this greater impact thinking. Or on the other hand, are you just getting by? Are you just getting, getting by? Are you determined to make a greater impact in your life? Or, on the other hand, is, is your attitude, what's the least I can get by with? What is the least I can get by with? Impact thinking is what I'm going to be talking about today. Okay, living a life of impact. Five points I'm going to go through here. Number one, the impact of our actions. Our actions. Now, someone said that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Now, how much you care is revealed by your actions. You know, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That has to do with actions right there. Um, now, the reason I think this is important, the impact of our actions, is this. You know, how much, let's, let's say, you know, how much you care is revealed by your action, actions. If you, if you get a 12-year-old boy a, new, a brand new bicycle, and uh, he leaves it out in the rain, and the chain starts to rot, and the seat starts to rust, what does his actions reveal? It reveals he don't care about it. You know, I don't care about this thing you've given me. So, again, you know, your actions, how much you care is revealed by your actions. Let's say, you know, talk, we could look at a lot of areas of one's life, your home, your car, your, your wife, your, uh, people that you come into contact with. How much do you care? Your church, how much do you care? Uh, outreach, how much do you care? You know, obviously, I think, as far as my actions reveal to me that I must care a lot about this thing about outreach because I'm always doing it, or I spend a lot of hours doing it. So look at what you spend your hours most doing. What do you spend the most, your mo- most of your time doing? And you'll find out what you really care about. You'll find out what you really care about. Now let's look at an example of this in Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10. Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10 says this, Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where you go. Now notice that. Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. Notice what this verse reveals is whatever you do, you need to care about it. You know, first of all, you need to finish whatever you're doing. You know, whatever you're, you've started, it's a good idea to finish it. I've told a story, I got, I've got one piece of crown molding in this room that was started 20 years ago. And, you know, but, you know, and maybe there should be a law that you can't start a new project until you finish the, 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 the first one, you know. That, that probably would be a good idea. So how much you really care is revealed by your actions, by your actions. And there's, there's a thing about, in this verse, having a great work ethic. You know, the, the ability to work, to work hard. It, it speaks much to this. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. I was uh, listening to a documentary about uh, uh, Glenn Fry, uh, one of the eagles that recently passed away. 
And he said something that I, the, the rock band, the Eagles, for those who don't know, what's an eagle? Uh, <laughs> the Eagles or whatever. Okay. But he said something that I should have known, but I had to consider. He, he talked about writing every day. He says, you know, a songwriter writes every day. And so you, I was thinking, okay, a hit song, it's just you wake up one day and you write one and you got it. Well, that's not the way it works. You know, a writer writes every day. And much of the stuff you write is never used. It's bits and pieces here, there, and yonder that you never get around to using. But it, and, and I think his partner said that he had a great work ethic, that he was all just a hard worker. And it's important, you know. I, I've, sometimes I've noticed at the feasts, someone will give special music, and I think, you know, that, that, that could have been good if they'd have put a little bit more practice into it, a little bit more time, spent a little more time trying to, you know, practicing. Uh, it could have been good if they'd just put forth the effort. I don't know what it is about religion or spiritual areas, but it's almost a concept that, you know, it's like I just walk to the door and, and the Lord gives it to me. You know, I want to sing. Uh, well, uh, have you practiced the song? No. Do you know the words to it? No. Uh, you got any music goes with? It? No. But I want to sing. You know, it, that's not the way it works. You know, you have to put forth an effort uh, to practice, 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 and get it right. Get it right. It takes a lot of work. Work ethic. So whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. So I can tell what's really important to you by your actions, what you do. And what you do well, what you do well. Second one, the impact of integrity. Now, the reason I think this is important is, is there is nothing that can discredit your impact quicker than your integrity being questioned. When a person all of a sudden says, oh, I don't know about that person, you know. Um, Psalms 26 and verse 11. Psalms 26 and verse 11 says... Psalms 26 and verse 11 says, But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity. Redeem me and be merciful unto me. You know, he's saying, look, I will walk in my integrity. His, you know, one of the things you, you realize, I'm not saying that God doesn't inspire, encourage, correct, you know, integrity comes from God, but I understand that. But he was able to identify his integrity. It, it, was, it was his integrity. Uh, you know, you might say, accept it full responsibility for it. Now, one of the thing, ways that we lose integrity is by not keeping, at least I believe, not keeping your word, by not keeping your word. You see, here's the bottom line. Truth of the matter is, most of us have overcommitted lives. Uh, we've just got too much stuff going on. You know, if you've got three jobs going on in one single day, you've got a job of, let's say, maybe... Uh, well, I'll use myself, masonry work, ministry, and evangelism, three different jobs going on in, 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 in one given day. You're overcommitted, and you need to realize when people come up to you and say, hey, could you do this? Can you do this? Can you build me a, you know, a whatever? Can you uh, replumb my house? Can you put me a thermostat on? Can you, do? you need to realize, you know, how overcommitted, you need to evaluate, your, honestly evaluate your life and how committed you are, how much you've got going on in your life, and to be able to keep your word. You know, Jesus said, let your, you know, yay, yay, you know, no, no. Keep it simple, you know. Yeah, uh, no, I can't do that. Sorry. 
because the best impact you can have is, is the impact of your integrity. Uh, a good evaluation of yourself so that you don't make promises that you can't keep. You know, sometimes when people will ask me to do something, you ever had this, someone will ask you to do something and immediately, immediately you think, I don't want to do that. I don't even know how to do that. You know? Now, where does that come from? Maybe that's God speaking to you, <laughs> saying, don't make a liar. You know, don't, don't keep your word. If you say you're going to do something and you never get around to doing it, there goes your integrity. So it's better to say, no, I, I, I can't, you know, can't do that. I get tickled with Nathan. He's always, I told him he, get, he needed to buy a shirt that says no. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what I told him to put in front of that. <laughs> Two words, actually. Because he's a nice guy, and people, I mean, whether it's his aunt, it's this person, that they will say, can you build, can you do this? He, he asked me one time, he says, how do I keep from, from, I can't say no. I can't say no. So uh, it, it can be tough. But again, when you, when you don't keep your word, that's an issue of integrity. And it's probably just a whole lot better, even if you come across as harsh. No, I don't have the time to do that. I can't do that. Worse than that, I don't know how to do that. I just got in trouble with installing a thermostat for one of our workers. I don't know what made him think I could install a thermostat. I've never installed a thermostat in my life. And I agreed to it. And I hooked it up and it didn't work. So he had to call a professional. You know, just, no, I'm not a thermostat guy. I don't, don't know anything about that. So just no, no. All right, the third impact is, is the impact of beauty. The impact of beauty. Everything is beautiful in its own way. You ever heard that song? Now think about God's creation. I mean, when you talk about the impact of beauty and the things that you see, you ever had, you've seen something in, in creation and you wanted to share it? You know, you wanted your friends, your family, a beautiful place, a waterfall, and you, you wanted to share it with others. Think about that desire to share. That, that's the impact of beauty. It's incredible, the impact of beauty. Now, I think because we, as far as physically, because we associate beauty with being vain, we underestimate the impact of beauty, and we can play it down, you know. We can play it down. You know. What was that saying? Some, even an old barn looks better with a fresh coat of paint on it, you know. It, it's, it's really true. Uh, there will always be people who will always respond to beauty in the wrong way. Uh, jealousy, lust, envy, desire to conquer. That's not your problem. You didn't create that. You know? Well, you might could say, well, maybe I did create that because people are responding to it. But, but no, it's, that's their problem. Now, maybe we should make ourselves unattractive. I thought about that until I thought, well, maybe we should do that. Uh, <laughs> I just don't care. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> Until I saw a guy on the internet, he, he was a, a tattooed freak, he had horns, implants on his head, big ears, I can't describe the ear things in his ears and nose, and he was totally covered in tattoos. It's like one of, one of our contractors told a guy one time, he, he, was a t he had tattoos all over his body, and he said, man, he said, if God wanted you to look like that, you would have come out of your mother's womb looking like that. <laughs> He told him that, I mean, and uh, God just laughed, but, uh, but you know, this, what I realized about this guy, that this does not glorify God, but beauty does glorify God. It really does. Um, 
I think about, there, there's a verse, I'm just going to mention this for you younger women here. It says, but in all Israel there was none to be so much praised as Absalom for his beauty. For from the sole of his foot even to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. You know, here, here's a, evidently this is some kind of guy right here. You know, a beautiful guy, for pity's sake. Uh, <laughs> but think about, th- think about a beautiful woman. Think about your wife, okay? Uh, it, beauty has an impact. I mean, it does. It, it, now, let's, let's go beyond just the physical here, uh, the, the far as, because, you know, beauty can be only skin deep. But it, is, it, it does have an impact. But let's look at Psalms 90 and verse 16. Psalms 90 and verse 16. It says something about beauty that I, I think is uh, revealing. Psalms 90 and verse 16. Psalms 90 and verse 16 says, Let thy work appear unto thy servants, and your glory unto the children. And let the beauty of the Lord, our God, be upon us. And establish thou the works of our hands upon us. Yea, the works of our hands, establish thou it. I think the works of our hands should create something beautiful. I know I, know I love this. I, I really do. I have a, you know, whether it's, sometimes I'll take a section in my woods and I'll mark out a small area, 20 by 20. Because if I try to do the whole thing, it's overwhelming. But I'll mark out that small area and I'll say, how can I make that area beautiful? And I clean it up and mow it. I mow my woods. Um, it's, it's a common thing with me. I, I just, it's part of the, you know, I mow the woods. Uh, but how can I make it beautiful? And it's, it's, it's a rewarding, it's such a reward when you see something beautiful. And you sometimes ask, well, how did it get beautiful? Well, well, chances are, you know, it's like the story. You remember the story I think Henry told about the preacher and he's driving down the road and he sees this farmer with this white picket fence and the red barns and the rolling fields and the cattle. And he says, man, says to the old farmer, this minister says, man, God has really blessed you. Wow, look at that picket fence. Look at that beautiful rolling fields. Look at, look at that nice painted red barn. And the old farmer said, well, you should have seen this place before God had his hands on it or something. I forget how. You know, he, he was giving God all the credit for the beauty, but the truth of the matter is we make things, we take what God has given us and enhance it and make it beautiful. And that, I'm, I'm just saying it has an incredible impact, and, and it should. Uh, doing, you know, when you think about the reverse, doing something slothful, doing something half-hearted. You think about, on the other hand, neatness. Even smells. I, I've got these little insert things that I plug in my breezeway. And outside, this is outside in the summertime. Outside on my deck. And they're little smelly good things. Like Hawaiian breeze and fresh linen. And that thing, you know, I'll be sitting out there and the smell just, oh. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. When I look out, I see beautiful things. And, and it's, a, it's an incredible impact, the impact of beauty. You know, don't, don't downplay that because it, it's a powerful impact. Uh, what can I make beautiful? Because God is about beauty. So let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Okay, the fourth one, impact, is knowing what you want. 
knowing what you want. I think this is an important one. Knowing what, what do you want? What do you want to do for God? What do you want to accomplish for God? What do you want? If you don't know what you want, you give God nothing to work with. Ten times no desire equals nothing. You've got to give God a desire, something that you, that you want to do. Psalms 57 and verse 4. Psalms 57 and verse 4. We'll turn there. Psalms 57 and verse 4. It says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of your heart. That is, you know, that verse is assuming that you have a desire. At least I think so. Uh, uh, what, what, again, what would you like to do for God? What, what am I quoting here? <laughs> hey, let's, let's, let's make it fit. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> the beauty of a fierce line. No. Psalms 37 and verse 4. Psalms 37 and verse 4. Maybe I did say 57. Hey, hey the line will work. <laughs> There's a line in the yard. <laughs> Yes, yeah, there you go, it is. <laughs> Psalms 37 and verse 4, I just did that on a program recently, quoted the wrong yes. verse. Uh, I missed it by, yeah, I missed it by 20 chapters. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> hey, I did, didn't I? Wow, <laughs> missing it by 20. <laughs> Okay, uh, let's see. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desire of your heart. Now, I don't think, uh, I think you have to have desires there, that, that God is not necessarily, you know, just, just placing your, your desires. Uh, they have to come from, from you. But what would you like to do for God? You know, I have a, something on, Tracer put it on the refrigerator door. It says this, attempt great things for God Expect great things from God. Man, I like that. Okay, I want to look at uh, knowing what you want. Look at an example of a woman who, this is, this is a beautiful example of a woman who knew what she wanted and she would not take no for an answer. It's Matthew 15 and verse uh, 22. Matthew 35, 22. No, Matthew 15. <laughs> Matthew 15 and verse 22. <laughs> and behold, a woman of Cana came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thy son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. And this was a story I was referring to earlier. He just kept right on walking. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away. She's driving us crazy. Uh, but he answered her and said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came. Now notice this. Then she, how many of us would have done this? How many of us would just turn around with our tail between our legs and just crawled off at this first, you know. But, but, but he answered her and said, it is not meat. No, excuse me. Then she uh, uh, came and worshipped him saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not meet to, to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. Now, she could have got highly offended right there. I mean, highly. She could have taken that the wrong way. 
And she said, true, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And man, what a response. What a powerful uh, humility there, you know. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it unto thee, even as you will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. I think this woman is a model of the greater impact thinking that I'm trying to talk about today. Living your life so that your life produces the greater impact. One, she knew what she wanted. Two, she would not take no for an answer. And again, she was not going to settle for some kind of you know, firecracker explosion. She wanted the, the stick of dynamite here. I want, you know, who was it? Who, who used to say dynamite? You remember that? It was, was it J.J. Uh, Walker? <laughs> Do you know what you want? God is a multiplier of our desires. Now think about this. Why is God a multiplier of our desires? You know, whatever desire we may have, God can multiply that. Well, the reason is God is concerned about the greater impact. You ever thought about that? That's what God is concerned about in your life, having a greater impact. Okay, the fifth one, the last one, is the impact of love. And we get from this woman's example this selfless act, it wasn't even about her, it was about her daughter. And, and often, you know, that's, that's the condition of love. It, it's, it's, it's not about you, it's for somebody else. It's a selfless act. And, uh, you know, the reason this is important, the impact of love is, well, <clears throat> what John 13 verse 35 tells us is the reason this is important. Familiar verse, John 13 and verse 35, says this, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. That's how they identify you. Uh, know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, in Jesus' ministry, I think if you had been healed, I think if he had ministered to you, I think if you had been fed, you know, maybe 4,000, 5,000, 5, you know, as he fed people... Depending on who you were, I think you would have said, okay, Jesus is a great man of love. However, if you'd have been the Pharisees, you would ask, where's the love? You know, like, where's the beef or whatever? <laughs> where's the love? In other words, love speaks the truth. And that's what Jesus spoke to those Pharisees, is truth. And so you might have questioned, well, where's the love at? If you love me, keep my commandments. Love is found in our actions, what we do. The impact of love. Now, to conclude, the greater impact. One more point I want to make. Often we live our lives reminiscing, thinking, the way it used to be. We're looking, looking back in the past. And, you know, I, I reminisce a lot. I reminisce. I, I drive down the road and I listen to old hits from the 70s. And I reminisce. I made a special CD of just our songs that me and Teresa, when we were dating, it's just songs that when we were dating, and I listen to that, and I, it brings back memories. But what I'm telling you is your past is over. You're, the, the potential for a greater impact is not behind you. It's in front of you. It's in the future. And you have to keep that focus. That's where the greater impact is at, in your future. Attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God. With every decision in your life, Every avenue, every turn that you make, there is a conscious decision in your life to make the greater impact. Do I want this just to be a little tiny firecracker explosion 
Or do I want this to be like a stick of dynamite? So let's focus on, in our lives, as we live our lives, the greater making, the greater impact.